This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What I don't get is the chickens. When you're moving, you are, I guess that they might move the coop, but what do you do with the chickens? Uh, You put your nine-year-old in charge of them. The whole, like, all the animals Violet's going to be in charge of on moving day. She's, like, got the dogs. She has a plan for the guinea pigs. She's going to put the chickens in one of our larger dog crates. Like, she's she's got it down. She's ready for this. Okay, good. She's like, Noah, Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Violet's Ark. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Angeles. In today's episode, we've got a special guest. We're talking with financial coach Dylan Snowden. Yes. Then in Take a Hike, we'll discuss a topic that created a great discussion in our Facebook group, how to handle the Sunday night blues. And this week's Hollywood hack is an upgrade to your next hotel stay. Okay, Sarah, let's dive into from the treadmill desk of in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. This week, it's money and how to manage it. And you and I don't know a lot about this subject. I'd say it's a weak point. So we brought in an expert to discuss it with us. We're going to talk to Dylan Snowden. Dylan is a financial coach who helps creative individuals build a healthy relationship with money. Since 2017, he He's helped writers, actors, and directors get out of debt, build up their savings, and manage their spending. Before coaching, Dylan spent seven years as a writer in New York and Los Angeles, where he learned about the income ups and downs of the industry. Welcome, Dylan. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, I always say I cannot believe that in school we don't have to learn about just dealing with our finances. I'm like, why did I take calculus, but I (laughs) don't know anything about saving money or bank accounts? I really wish that would change because especially if you're a creative type like us, it just doesn't come naturally a lot of the time. So we're very grateful that you are here to usher us through this. Well, I'm glad to be here. And on that note, thinking about learning it in high school, absolutely. But it feels like you need an, like a graduate program for being in this career field as well, because it's so different than working for the DMV, where you get a 401k or a pension. It's kind of set up for you in many ways. But if you're working yes. 13 weeks, you're working on a few commercials, a few acting gigs, it's a question mark from retirement to taxes to emergency savings. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Dylan, you have been a writer for many years in New York and Los Angeles. How do you think your background as a creative 
influences the coaching that you do today? I would say something I always mention with clients. I was living in New York in my 20s, and I felt it was fun. It was fun being creative when you start, at least for me. And you're eating dollar pizza, you're out producing content, you're on stage, you're doing all these fun things, and it's the best. I think those are the best years I had writing. But at some point, you know, the party kind of ends and where you were like, wait, I, you know, I'm kind of earning, I'm still in this field. You know, I have a lot of clients who are maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years in, and they describe, well, I'm stablish. Like, income's coming in, but then they feel like, oh, you know, especially now it's tax season. They see they earned wow. 150 or 120 or 300 or 90, whatever. And they're like, well, where did it all go? And so I definitely appreciate where they came from when they were like, yeah, this is just focus on creating content, focus on getting my voice. And now all of a sudden, maybe I have my voice, maybe I'm getting work, but I haven't really taken care of all the other things that I need to, as some people say it as like adulting many times. Yeah. And one right. thing to understand is that what us in this industry, we might make really good money for a certain amount of time and then not make money for three months or six months or a year, or then be making, when we do work again, not making as much money. You're sort of only worth what you're worth in the moment. There's no guarantee that once you make a certain amount, you're going to keep making that amount or work at all. So when we talk to you, it's in this context of major uncertainty, which we always say, if you're not willing to deal and live with uncertainty, don't work in Hollywood, (laughs) for starters. But anyway, so you're helping with that. Yeah. I had a client recently, I said, one of the first conversations we have, it's like, where to save your money. It's very easy to know how to spend your money, especially in Los Angeles or New Mm. York, where most writing work is. Like I used to have coffee meetings with clients on Melrose, and I would say there's you know, a dozen places you can spend $10,000, but there's one Chase Bank probably at the end of the road where you can save money. And we don't, when we get that bonus or we get that check that has no taxes taken out, it feels like a real win. And they have to say, well, wait, well, what does the next year look like? So for a client recently, I said, well, what is an emergency fund? What is the, what is the amount you need to survive if you don't work again? And they said, Dylan, I haven't worked in a year, so I want a year's worth of savings set aside so that I can weather the storm, especially during the pandemic. You know, the last two years have been wild for writers and actors. And how do you tell people to accomplish that? Where do people look to set that money aside? Like, are people just overspending? Are people, meaning me, uh, like, (laughs) what are the mistakes that people make that you then help them solve? It's like building a recipe. There's so many different cookbooks that make so many great foods. It's like it's a little different from Eddie, but everybody. So I'll say like some of the pieces will be saying, yeah, it's overspending, where we do live in a consumer's culture. Like that's our title as consumers. So it's very easy to spend money, easier than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago with Amazon. And there's other pressures in social media as well on us. And as we get older, we want homes, we want nicer furniture. You know, there's a saying that once you have one nice thing in your home, you kind of want everything to be nice. Mm. And that pushes us. And so we have to look at that. So one of the first steps is usually, yeah, look at how we spend our money. And everybody kind of sucks air through their teeth when we say that. But Mm -hmm. that is that knowledge. That's that data that we get to say like, okay, you know, if you think you're overspending, that's kind of good because that means there are places we can cut back on at the same time. That means that you're wanting to make change. How do we then put money away? 
you know, some people have like a savings account. They'll put money away for taxes like that, or just everything is in there. And I'll ask them like, well, what's that savings account for? You got 14,000 in there. That's great. Well, it's my emergency fund, my house down payment. Also want to go to Vancouver to visit my family and it's mountain bikes. Well, we've counted the Mm. money five times over, right? (laughs) So what I do is we say like, let's separate it. I'm a big, big fan of like having individualized savings accounts for each goal. And you know exactly how much you have for fun how much you have for emergency, how much you have for pet emergencies, car emergencies. So there's no no guesses going forward. And here's a question. How much energy, and I ask this for myself, do you think, if any, that creatives should put into trying to find like other sources of income? Like I'm always like, should I be like trying to save money to, you know, buy real estate so that I can have a renter or, you know, is that something we should be really trying to do? Or is it more a matter of just putting the money you make into safe retirement places? You know, that's something that a lot of people are talking about. Because I think we all have a friend that has an Airbnb in maybe Palm yeah. Springs or wherever. And it seems like, well, they pay off the mortgage in two months. Um, I, I think that you can do that if you want to do that. Like if someone told me, hey, I want to be a TV writer. Great. Do you want to be a TV writer? You want to be a landlord and run an Airbnb, great. Do you want to be a landlord? And you have to research that because it's not passive. I think when we hear our friends doing things, it's like probably have friends talking about cryptocurrency and NFTs and stuff like that. And they say like, oh, this is so easy, so fun. It's like, okay, get into the details of it. Because I have some people that do have rentals or they have a duplex and they have another unit, but they're also on call 24 hours. And so they have to be okay with that. So it's an individualized plan. It's like, what is the best for you? What are you comfortable with? Um, there are people who definitely are still working desk jobs, working as assistants, working other work so that they can support themselves. My big goal is that nobody should have to stop writing, performing, because they don't have money. I think there should be a way to try to find that to make that happen. Yeah. And what are your top tips for creative folks to set themselves up financially for success? I would say when you start off, aim small. Aim really, really small. Go for really small wins. And that's what I do with clients now is that we put so much pressure to have to have this idea of having a perfect financial life. If it's bad, it has not right. Everything has to be fixed. But instead, what I say is like, okay, we're going to open a savings account. We're going to open an individual savings account. We're going to look at our spending. We're going to look at what trips do we want to take in the next six months? Are we going to Hawaii or Ojai? How much are those things going to cost? And each of those little things is a prediction of our future. And we feel like, oh, I predicted that. I'll give you an example for myself. I had a really great Italian meal recently. I put a bunch of the food we didn't eat down the drain, drain put down at waistline, clogged the entire house. Look outside, yeah. there's a leak on the side of my house. I didn't even know that could happen. But then my my partner, Christina, mentioned, like, wait, we have savings set aside for a house emergency. Like, I forgot mm. that we put that aside. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. And so what really what I want to do is help you realize how important it is to predict your future. And so putting those little wins together, saying that you can do these things, and then also putting little amounts of money away for all those things that are going to happen. Your car is going to break down. If you have a pet, you're going to have a big veterinary cost. And when you don't have that money or those things happen, it feels so terrible. Instead, look to your past for your spending and look to what those big spending items are. So you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen again. Let's make sure we can fix that. Let's make sure that that doesn't make me feel terrible 
in October or the holidays that may cost $4,000. Now, Christmas trees are $500 for some folks. Um, mm-hmm. Why not start saving for those things now rather than the future? Yeah, and Dylan, we should mention that um, our friend Allie, who's a writer, who's sort of just made in the recent years a transition from assistant to full-fledged writer, used your services and was like, oh my God, this changed my life. And I wish we had had all of this in mind, Sarah, when we just started out, like way back, you know, when we were on Angel. It's like starting from the beginning seems to make a huge difference in these matters. Yeah. it's And his question is like, when is the beginning? Like right when you start working, I would say, you know, that might be high school. That might be in your 20s. And it's tough because there's so many fun things and there's so many fun things you can do with money. And so that's kind of my competition is when people come to me and they say like, yeah, my fun things now are making sure that I'm not stressed anymore. And mm. once you start getting staffed, it could feel really good. And I, I love that. I, I, that's an amazing feeling of accomplishment. But it's definitely also saying like, okay, what else can I accomplish now that I'm staffed? Can I think about buying a home in the next few years? Can I support having a family? Um, can I address these things in a way that feels good? And Dylan, how do you feel about financial teams? You know, a lot of people in Hollywood have a business manager, accountant, sort of a variety of teams. You have management teams, <laughs> and, you know. Who are the important people to have in your financial team, or is it smarter to handle it yourself? I would say what it, this is just like kind of the Airbnb thought, whatever you're comfortable with. But if you're not comfortable with it, find a team. So mm. usually if you're working and you're earning more than like, 80,000 a year, 50,000 a year, it probably behooves you to get an accountant and setting up a business account or a SEP and S Corp and all of that. I don't do my own taxes. I, I recommend someone to find an accountant. Absolutely. When it comes to a business manager, that's another question about what are you comfortable with? Meaning that I have a lot of folks who know how to pay out their agent, their manager, their attorney, and they know how to pay their dues and they feel fine. That's not a problem with them. But then there's other folks that are like, I feel anxious. Any bill I get, I'm glad to have a business manager. There's a big expense to having a business manager, though. So you have to yeah. realize, and I say to clients, like, okay, let's say what, how much does this person cost you in a year? Do you value it? If you say yes, which I've had plenty of people say yes, they go forward with it. If I have other people say, wow, I could put that 15000 or that 10000 towards my retirement, towards my kid's college, then it's a question of transitioning out of it. Um, so it's definitely saying, like, what... Do you need to do? Because ultimately, I want you to think less about money. It's a big thing what I work on is that you think less and less and less. The machine runs on its own and that you can focus on writing. You can focus on performing, thinking about your next project rather than, okay, how do I pay this next bill? That sounds nice. Yes, (laughs) it sure does. Sarah and I are going, ah. Yeah. Pause to sigh. (laughs) Yes. Well, and Dylan, um, you have very generously offered 15% off the first month of one-on-one coaching to listeners of Happier in Hollywood, which is so great. And I think it's that thing where by organizing and having the conversation, people can end up with feeling like they actually have more money, even though it's the same amount of money. Yeah, exactly. I think we come at it sometimes thinking, I just need more money. But really, it's like I have people that earn a half a million or two million a year, and they still say that same thing. It's like, no, we need to value every dollar you have so that you also don't have to take a writing job you don't want. You don't, you don't want to be staffed in this room? That's okay. You can sit on it and relax because you have that cash on hand. 
Yes. And I can say that we do often wish that we had started thinking about these financial things early, immediately in our careers. And we have so many listeners who are in that position now. So Dylan, thanks so much for coming and talking with us today. It was my pleasure. And tell people um, where to find you. What is your website? Pretty easy. DylanTeachesFinance.com. And it has information on what I offer. And I invite anybody, if they just want to have a no-stress, relaxing conversation about money, I'd be happy to have that conversation with them. Okay. <laughs> I love the idea of a no-stress, relaxing I conversation know. about Never money. I've heard of that. <laughs> I, that's, what, that's what we try to do. That's why people keep coming back, though. So it must be doing something right. <laughs> nice. Um, and, of course, we will link to Dylan's website in the show notes. Yes. Coming up, we talk about how to battle Sunday night blues. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for Take a Hike, in which we discuss physical, mental, and spiritual health. Today, it's how to deal with the Sunday night blues. This was a huge discussion in our Facebook group, and people had so many great ideas, we thought we should talk about it on the podcast. Yes, I feel like it's one of those ongoing things in life, Sunday night blues. We all, many of us battle it. Like when, you know, you're looking at the week ahead and it it kind of ruins Sunday night, which is a bummer. Um, but Sarah, what was interesting is you and I were talking about this subject and you were wishing you had the Sunday night blues. Oh my God, I would love nothing more, honestly, than to have, like, I don't know, a mild case of the Sunday night blues. I feel like every day in my life is such a grind right now because we're getting ready to move. I mean, it's just madness. So it's like 7 a.m. is the same no matter what day of the week it is. And, you know, 9 p.m. is the same no matter what day of the week it is. Um, So I was envious, honestly, of all the people having... Having Sunday night blues. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, I was asking you the other day, like, well, do you want to do something on Saturday or Sunday? And you were like, I don't care. Anytime. That's all the same. All yes. the days are the same. <laughs> so I am thing on wishing for you the Sunday night blues. And we Me will too. assume that you're going to get them and that all of these tips will be very helpful. Yes, absolutely. So the original post came from Carrie, and she just wrote tips for dealing with Sunday night blues. And then Mm -hmm. it just created this hurricane of suggestions, which are all wonderful. 
Yes. Amanda said, I find that being as prepared as possible helps alleviate the anxiety piece. Yes, I think so much of it is anxiety, Sarah. For me, the blues are mostly about the fact that I haven't gotten everything done I wanted to, and I'm sad I have to go to work the next day. Mm, Interesting, because I think there are kind of two kinds of people. The people who want to be prepared to help alleviate anxiety, who are sort of backwards looking and who are forwards looking. Like she's doing it to not be sad about going to work, and other people are doing it to sort of ramp up Mm -hmm. into the week. Yeah. I think Joy posted about that. She kind of gets everything organized for the entire week so she feels ready to just launch. Yeah, and Sarah Aaron said, which I thought was fun, Sundays are when I usually do my nails. Every time I see them, I feel better about myself. So that's nice. Like, do something good for yourself on a Sunday night. Yeah, that's a treat. And then it carries over into the rest of the week. Yes. Nancy said, I try to save a TV show that I really like for Sunday evening, something to look forward to. Okay, I'm going to be inspired by this. And and when I am able to have Sunday Night Blues in the future, do a like Killing Eve episode every Sunday night because I'm loving that show. Gina says, we experience it and also call it the Sunday Night Blues. Tonight at dinner, I ask each of us to set our intention for the week, trying to spin things. That's a good idea. Yes. Just each person in your family setting an intention for what they want the week to be or what they want to accomplish. Yeah, I think for me, I'm in the camp of if I feel like I'm looking forward, I'm better than if I feel like I'm mourning the passing of the weekend. You know, like I need to start the week Sunday night in a sense, which I think setting your intention does. Yes. And then Amanda said, write a list of things you're worried about or dreading and make a plan for how you handle it. Mm. And make a list of things you're looking forward to and how to maximize them. And she said, driving into the city, make time to visit as an example. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Making a list of things you're looking forward to in the week would be great. Like this week, I'm looking forward to moving into my new house. Uh, Yes, (laughs) Looking forward slash dreading, in a sense. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Tina said, I do a brain dump, check my calendar, and get my clothes out for the morning. Having a little bit of organization makes me feel better. Absolutely. This is sort of in the bullet journal camp, getting your bullet journal ready for the week. Oh my gosh, Sarah, the old bullet journal. That's right. You know I love a bullet journal. Mm -hmm. Kirsten said, pre-COVID, I'd have an informal dinner party most Sundays. Make something that could feed a crowd like chili. Whomever is available can come. If it's a bust, you have leftovers for the week. That's a great idea. Sarah, I have to say, I went out to dinner last night with some friends, and I wasn't even thinking about the fact that it was Sunday night. In fact, for a while, I was thinking it was Saturday night. So (laughs) it does, and then it's like eking out all of the joy. So I think that is a great idea, getting together with friends. Yes, and treating Sunday night like Saturday night. Yeah, why not? Not completely, because you don't have a recovery day. Right, but you know. Yeah. Now, I remember actually one of my mom's friends for like her whole life, she would have just for her little neighborhood every Sunday night, they had a potluck. And if you could come, you you went. And if you couldn't, it was fine. For years, for like 20 years, they did it. And it was such a great bonding thing for their whole neighborhood. That's That's a great idea. Yes. 
Minnesota. Nice Minnesota yes. neighborhood hanging out with each other. Patty says, reflect on the past week. Take a bath, plan, and prep for a week with meals and outfits. Have a show or book waiting for you. So a lot of people are saying the same things. It's funny how many people, I think, are, are reassured by having their outfits planned. You and I don't need to worry about this because we wear sweats and T-shirts almost every day. But I could imagine. I mean, I wear jeans sometimes. I just want to say. Yes, you do wear (laughs) jeans. I don't. I wear jeans like once every other month. But I do think that the whole outfit thing for a lot of people is big. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Cassie says, I've heard people call it the Sunday scaries. (laughs) Prepping my outfits for the week, getting my gym bag ready, and having lunches prepped for the week helps me. I have to tell you, I admire people who get their lunches prepped for the week. I set this as like sort of a life goal to be able to do that. I just can't make myself do it. It's so smart. It's just not even in my realm. Like I can't (laughs) even feel bad about it. It is not something I'm ever going to do. I want to be one of those people who has the five jars with salads ready to go in each one. And you just have to pour in the dressing. It's not happening, but that's what I want to be. Yes. Well, that's your fantasy self. Yeah, it is. Paige says, I set a timer on Sunday afternoon for 30 minutes to check my Monday schedule, deal with weekend emails, and generally catch up. I always plan for something fun or relaxing right after. Well, that goes to something we talk about on Happier with Gretchen Rubin, which is like, we say scheduling time to worry, but this is sort of scheduling time to deal with Monday. And I think it's a good idea because then afterward, you're free to just exhale and enjoy the rest of your evening. So I like that page. Yeah. Before, you don't have to think about it because you have a time scheduled to do it. And then after, you're done. And half an hour is probably plenty. Yeah. Okay, Emily says, I do Sunday spa. Oh, I'm loving this already. Mm -hmm. Okay, turn on a diffuser with a calming scent in my bathroom, put the lights on low, play spa music on Pandora, and take a long shower or bath using fancy soap and take time to care for my body and mind. Do a face mask or mani-pedi after that, put on some nice lotion and maybe a serum, whatever area feels in need that week. The whole thing takes anywhere from 20 minutes to a few hours. A few hours, oh my God. Um, Depending on how much time I have and what I want to do, it helps me feel relaxed and ready for the week. Oh, that sounds delightful. Well, Sarah, in your new house, you'll have your sauna back. So you could do a Sunday spa. I, in theory, could do that and then get in the hot tub. Vanessa says, now this is interesting. I don't actually have the Sunday night blues anymore. I left the toxic work environment I was in last June and I am now in a new place. Actually, it's my place. I work from home and it makes everything better. Nice. Yes. If you have a toxic work environment, it's hard. There's nothing you can do to cure the blues. That is true. Yes. Catherine, who's a writer friend of ours, she said, is canceling Mondays an option because I could get behind that. (laughs) Hey, you know, there's a movement to the four-day work week, Sarah. Yep. But then everybody has the Monday night blues. I know. Exactly. (laughs) Amy said, my husband and I used to do a massage night on Sunday. We'd set a timer and go back and forth, giving each other a few minutes of massage. It often led to other activities. When that stopped doing the trick, we quit, sold the house, and hit the road to work seasonal jobs. In this current job in Death Valley, my Friday is a Monday, and that makes me quite happy. Nice. That's radical. 
Yes. Janice said, I've been planning something fun every Monday night when possible, and that helps soften the reentry. Oh, that's mm. good. Instead of treating Sunday like Saturday, treat Monday like Sunday. Yes. Or something. Or Saturday. <laughs> or Saturday. <laughs> Just make yes. every night Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I think having something fun during the week is always nice. Yeah. Sarah, this is my favorite. Um, Laura says, retire. It's best on Sunday nights. And that's probably true, right? Every Sunday night, you're like a boost of happiness that you're not yeah. going to work in the morning. It's just like, woohoo. So thank you, everyone, for these amazing ideas. I think my takeaway is do something nice for yourself and maybe organize a little bit. Yes. And Carrie did say on the Facebook group that it really helped her and she had some insights into how to approach her Sunday night. So thank you. So yes, thanks to Carrie for bringing this up as something we all deal with. Yes. Coming up, we have a happiness hack that Sarah discovered when we were in Puerto Rico. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. And it's actually a travel hack, which we are sharing this week because we are teasing the fact that we are doing a take two of travel hacks next week. So this is a taste of what's to come on this podcast. We are diving deep on travel hacks next week. So if you have any great travel hacks, do let us know. We may share them in the podcast. We've gotten some great ones already that we're just dying to share. So, okay, this week's Hollywood hack, teasing next week's fabulous segment on travel hacks, is change rooms. Liz, I think there are people in the world who, when they check into a hotel, are fully ready to change rooms. And then there are people like me who are like, and this is where I will die. Yes. I am just not someone, no matter how awful the room is, who's going to change rooms. Well, that has changed. (laughs) You changed rooms in Puerto Rico. I did. So what happened is we were Violet and I were in a room in Puerto Rico that was had an adjoining door with someone. So we could hear every single sound they made and they could hear every single sound that we made. The door was just like supremely thin. It was basically mm-hmm. like we were roommates. It was right. like we were in a youth hostel together. It you was know? like love is blind. You were <laughs> yes. on the other yes. side of the pod. Exactly. Um, So there was a lot of like knocking on doors back and forth to be like, could you be quiet? I'm going to bed. You know, all of this stuff. And I finally just said, this is going to drive all of us totally crazy. And we changed rooms. And oh my God, what a difference. It was like a light bulb moment. It was like, there are things sometimes that we feel we can't change, but we Mm -hmm. can. And it turns out you can just change rooms in a hotel. Yes, I am a room wonderful. changer. If I, <laughs> I know. if I am like paid for a certain view and I don't feel like, you know, if I have like partial ocean view, but you have to like lean forward in the balcony and turn your neck to see the ocean, like I will <laughs> yeah. change. Sarah, Adam and I once changed hotels. Oh my we God. were in New York and we were at the, we had made reservations at the W and usually we stay with my sister, but we couldn't that time. And like we walked into the room and it was like so tiny. It was like, Uh we just said, no, this, we can't stay here. And we just can't. 
And we like left and walked across the street to the Intercontinental and got a new room. Oh my God. (laughs) And we were so happy. And that room we got happened to have heated bathroom floors. And I mean, just the whole time I was just like, we are so smart. We We left that horrible room and now we have heated bathroom floors. Yes. Okay. So, well, I am now in your camp, yes. Liz. I have, this this room. could have been an LVS. It's just not big enough. But right. I am now in your camp of changing rooms. It's so easy. The key is to decide right away before. Yeah. Now, you couldn't have because you didn't know that you were going to have this issue. But if you walk <laughs> right. into a room and you know you're going to want to change, do not unpack. Don't even let, if someone's helping you with your bags, don't let them leave. Just be like, oh. this isn't going to work. Okay. But I don't know. I don't want to give the impression I change rooms all the time. I mean, I've changed maybe like four times in my life. And every time it was a good decision. Every time it was a good decision, yes. <laughs> and that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to Dylan Snowden for joining us today. A reminder to our listeners, Dylan is offering 15% off the first month of his services to any Happier in Hollywood listeners who contact him. So that's awesome. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, king of remote recording. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at SFain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, talking about small rooms, I am remembering that room I had in San Francisco on Women's Murder Club. Now, that is a room I should have changed. I mean... For sure. Was that like 50 square feet? I mean... I don't know. It was big enough for the bed. It was was insane. The window was on top of the bed, and then it was like a foot to the bathroom. You couldn't even sit in there with me. No. No. It was so crazy. It was pretty, though. That was a pretty room. I weirdly remember how beautifully it was decorated. You have to decorate it nicely when it's that small. From the Onward Project.